All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire at USA Today to break down this year's crop of quarterbacks. Mark's going to give us his overview on what this crop compares to past years, as well as potential future years uh, in terms of the quarterback class. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans, writing weekly content at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I want to thank everyone that makes Lockdown Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast platform as well as on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel and you will be able to see the video version of the podcast go up the night before the audio version. So today's episode, I am joined by Mark Schofield. If you've been a longtime listener of Locked on Falcons, you've heard Mark come on this podcast several times over the last couple of years. We had Mark on quite a bit uh, in the run up to last year's draft to talk about the top of the quarterbacks. Uh, in that class to see, you know, who may fit the Falcons uh, potential needs uh, at pick number four. We had Mark, you know, previously uh, back in the 2018 draft class to talk about, you know, what was then hailed as a, another sort of strong quarterback class this year. Not so much uh, in terms of the general sentiment of this class. So I want to welcome Mark back to the show, but let's sort of jump in to that conversation about sort of where you're headed at with this year's class? How does it compare to some of these more recent classes that have been considered stronger and some of these other classes, maybe say 2019, that was not necessarily considered to be a strong quarterback class uh, in that regard? So where are you at with this 2022 group of quarterbacks? Uh, Aaron, it's great to be back. Always love coming on. Um, I do think this group is in a way closer to say that 2019 group. Um, where there are more questions, I think, than answers. There's no sort of clear-cut, real consensus. Maybe in that 2019 group you were thinking, all right, well, Kyler Murray's QB1, but maybe QB2, QB3 after that, you're not quite sure. And something similar might be playing out right now where it seems as if the community has sort of coalesced around Malik Willis is the guy at one that you'll be willing to take that bet on, given the upside, given the potential. And maybe there are questions about who's two, who's three, who's four, but it seems like, We've also had a call rest around the idea that Willis is going to be the guy that goes first, whether that's two, whether that's eight, whether that's nine, whether that's 20 still sort of remains to be seen. And I think the best way to sort of sum up this quarterback class and where I think many people are with it at the combine a couple of weeks ago, Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts basically took a blowtorch to his current quarterback at the time, Carson Wentz basically said, you know, I talked with Carson for about an hour about how he has to take criticism better, how he has to take coaching better. And when Ballard got done, you could talk to people in the room and it's, he's not going to get a six round pick for this guy. Like he just torched his draft stock, his his trade stock. Like he's not going to get anything in return. A couple of days later, Washington turns around, gives up two picks and takes on his entire salary, you know? And from where I sit, when you see that, when you see the Pittsburgh Steelers sign, a Mitchell Trubisky, it's an indication that league-wide, not just people on the outside looking in, 
there are some reservations about this quarterback room. That there's an idea that okay, there's talent there to be sure, and guys like Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter, guys we'll talk about today and probably down the road. There's talent, but if you need somebody to start Week One of the 2022 season, you know, next September, you're going to be looking at a veteran. You, you, these guys are going to need some time. You didn't see similar discussions like that last year or 2018. There was a lot of you know, you might find guys that can play right away. And so I, I think that's sort of the difference between this group and some of the groups we've seen in the past. There's more reservation. There's more skepticism. There's more of a, these guys might need some time. So if you need somebody to start right away, you need to go down the veteran route. And I think that's sort of a window into how this class is being viewed, not just by me, but almost NFL league wide. Yeah. I think you make a great point there, Mark. And you sort of talk about teams sort of you know, Washington, especially being desperate to sort of secure some veteran options. And that's very reminiscent of that 2019 offseason where you saw Denver go after Joe Flacco. You saw Miami go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm sure there's a couple of other uh, veteran quarterbacks that were sort of these stopgap players that teams picked up during that offseason that I'm, I'm blanking on uh, currently. You know, I'm sure Teddy Bridgewater, you know, changed teams that offseason or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it seems very similar. And, and that, similarly, that 2019 class, yeah, Kyler Murray was sort of the clear-cut one guy. But a lot of people thought players like Dwayne Haskins and uh, Drew Locke and uh, Daniel Jones, Jones could yeah. potentially be, you know, top 10 picks. We saw Daniel Jones go six overall, but we saw Haskins sort of fall to the middle of the first round. We saw Drew Locke fall to the second round. And sort of when I look at this quarterback class, you know, I've often sort of looked at it where like where these guys are, you know, quote unquote, should be picked. Like if we compare it to last year where Mac Jones was 15th overall, I don't think anybody in this class is better than Mac Jones. Um, you know, I think there's probably a little separation between Mac Jones and whoever is QB one in this draft class. But I, I do look at like maybe five or six guys in this class that to me, I feel like I feel better about their NFL potential than I felt about Kellen Mond or Davis Mills or Kyle Trask, who all went late in the second round and early in the third round. And I'm curious, sort of, where do you sort of stand on that? And it's sort of a perfect world. Would these guys all be sort of slotted between like, or not all these guys, but many of these guys be slotted between picks 15 and 60, uh, you know, in, in comparison to last year's draft? You know, where are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. Todd McShay said about two weeks ago that you might not see a quarterback in the top 15. And I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think when you're looking at sort of in a vacuum where guys should come off the board, particularly when contrasted with the talent we're seeing in other positions, such as corner, such as receiver, such as edge, offensive tackle, whoever comes off the board, that first quarterback is probably somebody that's going to be graded in the like 20s or maybe even low 30s by some teams or some evaluators boards. But it's because of that positional need that a team's going to reach or, you know, a, a team, as we see this sort of quarterback carousel start to slow down, we're waiting on Baker, we're waiting on Garoppolo. And, you know, when we're recording this, the, the owners' meetings are going on, and there's rumblings that maybe Cleveland hands on to Baker, maybe San Francisco hands on to Garoppolo. And I think that's just negotiating ploys from those two organizations. But eventually teams are going to be stuck with, Take Carolina. We've got Sam Darnold, and what are we going to do? So, yes, we have a pick at six, and we don't pick again until, like, day three, but we got to just take somebody. So you might get a, a panic move there where, okay, Malik Willis is staring us in the face. Unless we want to roll out Sam Darnold for all of 2022, we got to make this move. And so 
whenever that first quarterback comes off the board, it might be somebody graded in the 20s or the 30s, maybe high teens, maybe. Even that will probably factor in some positional value to it. But it's going to be a bit of a reach. When that pick is made, you will see whether it's a Hassan's consensus big board or others will say, yeah, we just saw a quarterback drafted at six, but on this board, he's 28 overall. Like the, the positional value, as we see it every year, will push players up. But I also think to your other point, you know, if you take, say, the top six, right, that everybody sort of grouped around where you've got, what you know, Willis, Ritter, Pickett, Strawn, Howell, Matt Corral. Like those are the consensus top six. Yeah, I mean, there's guys in there that, you know, will probably get graded out in the 30s and the 40s. And it might be beneficial for them to sort of come off the board in that range because there won't be that sort of need to get them on the field. If a guy comes off at six, they're going to want to get him on the field. Like, that's how this game works. If a guy comes off the board at 36, they'll be a little bit more patient with him. And so I think that might benefit some of these guys as well. There won't be that push to get him on the field early so they can perhaps take their time a little bit. But I think overall, this sort of group that we have this year, it's – that 20s to 30s kind of range of quarterback class where if they're drafted at that area, it might be great for them if they get pushed up because teams like, say, Carolina start to panic, then somebody might find themselves in a bad spot having to play early because of the draft capital expenditure. So we're going to continue today's conversation here with Mark Schofield talking a little bit more about the importance of environment uh, for some of these quarterbacks in terms of their development in NFL futures. But before we get into that, guys, I do want to plug the Locked On Braves podcast where you can find your daily content surrounding the Atlanta Braves as your second listen after you've made Locked On Falcons your illustrious first listen. And, of course, Locked On Braves is free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Locked On Falcons, including on YouTube. And, guys, I want to tell you about Built Bar where there is currently a 20% size wide sale so head on over to built.com and find the flavor of the world's best tasting protein bar uh, in built bar that you prefer built bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar but it's even better than a candy bar because it not only tastes good it's good for you they're low in sugar low in carbs low in calories high in protein high in fiber you know built bars are all about their puff flavors uh now you know puffs are the first protein infused uh protein the protein infused marshmallow i'm sorry and whether you're into puff flavors like banana cream pie or coconut marshmallow you can also find tried and true flavors like salted caramel coconut almond peanut butter brownie so find your favorite or order yourself a mix box by heading over to built.com and when you do uh in addition to getting that 20 percent off site-wide sale Hey, get some extra savings by using that promo code LOCK15 and you'll get an additional 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. So, guys, uh, we're here with Mark Schofield. And, again, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And we're talking about the quarterback in this 2022 draft class. And, you know, when we talk about some of these guys not necessarily being those, quote, unquote, franchise guys, and this is not 
true of the franchise guys, as we saw in this sort of quote unquote historic 2021 draft class, where we sat here enamored with all these guys, potential and upside. And we saw, you know, the guy that went to the best environment have the best rookie season uh, in Mac Jones, as opposed to the more talented uh, as many people saw it uh, players that went ahead of him. And so even when it applies to quarterbacks that are even more talented than maybe some of the guys, as we've talked, touched upon in today's episode, you know, it seems like environment is going to be even more important for um, this crop of quarterbacks. I'm curious, Mark, sort of where do you feel like, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's like, you know, I could see personally when I watch these quarterbacks, I could make a case for five of these guys to be someone's QB one that if someone sat here and said, this guy's my top rated quarterback, I'm like, okay, you know, you've, this is your flavor of ice cream. This is your flavor of quarterback that you prefer, whether it's Malik Willis or Sam Howe or Kenny Pickett or Carson Strong or um, Desmond Ritter. You know, I don't really see that for Matt Corral, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, and so I think Chris Sims actually had Matt Corral as his number one guy. So, yep. you know, it, it even applies to him. Um, but I'm curious, sort of, do you agree with that in terms of the assessment of these quarterbacks? And do you think what ultimately when we look back three to five years from now uh, to see who's actually emerged as the top quarterback, it's going to be mostly about what landing spot that quarterback had necess- rather than necessarily his inherent talent? Yeah, I, I think in many cases, the landing spot is what ultimately determines how these quarterbacks develop and pan out or don't pan out in the NFL. I mean, you go back to 2018 and you look at that draft class and, you know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you know, they landed in very good environments for them. They landed in situations where there was organizational patience. There was a willingness to sort of cater offenses to what their skill sets were to bring them along at, you know, the right pace, whether it was Jackson or Allen to, you know, have organizational consistency around them from a play calling standpoint. Whereas these other environments, whether it was Darnold with the Jets, whether it was Baker and what he's gone through in Cleveland and Josh Rosen, obviously with, with Arizona and being cast aside after one year for the aforementioned Calamari, the landing spot is so critical. And so, you know, last year, for example, like you said, Mac Jones, he's the fifth guy in the, in the first round, but he goes to a team that had just loaded up in free agency that also had that organizational patience, you know, and, and a willingness to sort of cater what they did offensively to him. And then you see the guy that goes first overall, the guy that many had as the top guy, the most talented, walks into Jacksonville, and that was an absolute abject nightmare scenario where you've got the Urban Meyer situation. You've got fans wearing clown face to the final game of the season to protest the general manager. That's a tough situation for a quarterback to, to sort of develop and thrive in. And so landing spot is going to be critical. And in many cases, it just comes down to who comes off the board later, right? Like if you slide to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20, you might step into a very good situation where there's that patience. There's that organizational consistency around the quarterback position, three head coaches in the last 45 years or something like that, that might be a very good environment. Whereas if you come off the board at six, Matt Rule certainly on the hot seat. Like there seems to be frustration around that organization right now from an ownership perspective, who's been aggressively pursuing veteran options. We had, you know, the Carolina Panthers linked with a number of veteran quarterbacks. Maybe they don't go that road. So they have to address it at six. And so it's going to be critical for these guys. You know, whoever ends up in the right spot may ultimately be when all is said and done. The guy that's QB1 when we look back at it, you know, three years from now, four years from now. And you're also right in the sense that this is a, a pick your pick your flavor kind of draft class. 
Um, very similar, I think, to the receiver position where ask five different people who are the top players, a quarterback, a receiver, you're going to get five different answers. I get six different answers. You know, and it's a lot of, you know, if you like that sort of guy that can sit in the pocket, read a concept out on third and seven and make a throw to the backside dig, you might like Kenny Pickett. You might like Desmond Ritter. You like somebody that can read something out and pull it down and just create that sort of splash type play. You like, might like Malik Willis over the, some of these other guys. And so it does have that sort of pick your style of quarterback feel to the draft class. So, you know, ask six different people. You might get six different answers, but I think ultimately the right answer is going to be the person, the quarterback that finds himself in the best landing spot, finds himself in that environment that's conducive to development as opposed to an environment that might sort of hamper quarterback development. Now, um, I'm already going to go out on a limb and say I'm going to be the anti-Malik Willis guy for the next four weeks on this podcast. Not because I don't like Malik Willis, but I feel like the hype for him has gotten a little bit out of control. But when I look at a player like Malik Willis, I see a a very good player. um, But I kind of look at him and I'm saying, like, he needs to go to a a situation where he is kind of used in a similar way to how Baltimore uses uh, Lamar Jackson, where, you know, if when we talk about Malik Willis's upside, you've already sort of touched upon it. It's like, yeah, how much does that mean? Like I, I say Malik Willis probably has the best deep ball in this class. Um, but if he doesn't have go to a team that has deep threats, then, you know, that skill set is kind of wasted. And then you say certainly he's by far the most gifted runner uh, with the ball. But if he goes to an environment that doesn't want to scheme quarterback runs, how much of that matters? And so even with a player like Malik Willis to to say that it's like, it, it feels like he has to go to the right offense, the right environment that, you know, he, he also uh, checks that box that even though we sit here and we say he's got the most upside, you know, that upside is, is mostly wasted if he goes to the wrong place. Uh, yeah. You know, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I, Aaron, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I think part of the allure with Willis is the idea that, he's similar in a sense to Josh Allen and that there's that athleticism, there's that arm talent, and it just needs the right environment and the right coaching to get it out of him to unlock it. And, you know, I've said on a number of different shows already this, this spring that, you know, there were two sort of seismic events that happened last season. that I think are really shaping and dominating the NFL off season. One was how the Rams built their roster. It was very much forget the draft, forget the picks. We're going to load up on veteran talent. And you're seeing some of that, in other organizations, Miami, for example, you know, added veteran talent like a Tyreek Hill around their young quarterback. And the other was that Bills Chiefs playoff game where you see Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen sort of showcase their talent and athleticism and God-given ability to play the quarterback position. And teams are probably looking around saying, do we have that guy? If not, we got to get that guy. And, and so then you look at this coming quarterback class, who gives you that potential? It's probably Malik Willis. Now, whether it's a 5% chance you get it at 10%, 15%, it's that bet on you can replicate that. We know the copycat league that the NFL is. Now, is there an environment where that could happen? Maybe, maybe not. But a, a group might be willing to place that bet. But you're right. Just because he has that talent doesn't mean it's a given you're going to get there. doesn't mean that you can just throw him into a situation he's going to ultimately become the next Josh Allen or his version of that, that kind of ceiling. And you have to put him in a position to do that. You have to put him in a position with the talent around him where, like you said, do you have a deep ball threat? You better have one. 
because that's what he can do. You have a willingness to run your quarterback and to do some things schematically with him, to cater to his legs, to give him that sort of glide path to get to where he can be as a quarterback. If not, you better do it. And if you don't have that openness, you don't have that willingness, you're putting him in, in a position potentially to fail. And so just because he might be the guy that everybody's pointed to, just because he's the guy that whether it was at the senior bowl or the combine or what we've seen since then, his stock has risen dramatically just because he's the guy that's rising. Doesn't mean that he can just thrive anywhere. Again, look at Trevor Lawrence last year, the guy that was looked at as the schematically diverse guy, the guy that can fit anything, the quote unquote generational prospect. He doesn't step into the right environment. And now we're waiting to see what can happen with him in year two. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about what sort of environment the Falcons are bringing to the table and get Mark's thoughts on that, as well as give a little bit of a peek ahead to the 2023 draft. As many people sort of say, you know, skip this quarterback class and just wait till next year to get your guy. And we'll see if Mark thinks that's a a good strategy specifically for a team like the Falcons. We'll get into all of that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast, guys. But before we get there, always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And why not check out the Locked on NFL podcast, which is free and available on all the same podcast platforms you find Locked on Falcons, including on YouTube. And guys, I also want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket? Save time and money when using Rock Auto instead of spending up to twice as much for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with reliably low prices for everyone. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, motor oil and even new carpet. Just go to rockauto.com, browse their easy-to-use website, and find all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you do, use uh, right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So we're here with Mark Schofield talking about this quarterback class, and we sort of touched on broad strokes. And if you were, you know, checking out today's episode to get sort of the nitty gritty on some of these individual players, we will have Mark back on later this month, uh, as we did last year. I think I can't remember how many episodes we had you on, Mark, but it felt like three or four uh, by the time we, we got to the draft time, talking about several of these guys. Um, and we'll we'll plan on doing that again this year. Absolutely. But, um. I'm curious, sort of looking at the Falcons situation, obviously they trade Matt Ryan, uh, big to do about that, <laughs> which we talked about. And I was even locked up Falcons for the last week or so. Uh, they pick up Marcus Mariota. And one of the concerns I have given the history in this league is when you're have these sort of bridge quarterbacks on a non-playoff team, ultimately, if you don't get off at a certain point during the season, if you don't get off to a fast start, people are going to be like, why not give the young guy? the opportunity. And so I wonder sort of how, where do you sort of stand on that? Where do you sort of stand on Marcus Mariota at this point in his career and whether or not he can be the guy that can be that bridge uh, till next year for a full season for the Falcons. And if not is the case, and if, you know, history sort of repeats itself and we find ourselves in week eight or whatever the case may be and the Falcons are two and six or something like that. And everybody's clamoring for the potential draft pick that they have um, to have, do you think that influences not only the type of quarterback that the Falcons look at, where they look at that guy in the draft earlier or later in the draft? Um, do they go for maybe more of a higher floor guy if that guy is going to potentially be forced to be on the field by, say, week nine? Or do they still look at maybe 
uh, a guy that has a little bit more of that ceiling potential. Where do you sort of stand on these issues? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot to think about. Obviously, the acquisition of Mariota has given Atlanta some time, at least in the sense that if they don't feel like there's a player that when they're on the clock at eight, they feel like fits what they want. They don't trust, you know, that that person is Kubi Warner. He's worthy of the eighth overall pick. They can wait. You know, they can wait till their second round pick. And so they at least have themselves a little bit of leeway, a little bit of sort of glide, a glide path, if you will, into that quarterback decision. And I think Mariota at this point in his career, he can give you that sort of bridge year. He can give you that sort of, provided he stays healthy, you know, that time into that decision. So if the organization decides we just don't like this quarterback class, if it, if they're thinking it's in line with what we've seen from other organizations, they can give themselves that year. Of course, we'll see how the 2023 group looks. I know we're going to talk about that in a second. You know, but if they do decide that there's somebody they like at eight, or if they do decide that, you know, we'll address a different position at eight, but there's somebody staring us in the face in 43, whether it's a Matt Corral, a Desmond Ritter, or some of these guys, Carson Strong, that sort of slid to that area, you know, they have an opportunity where, again, they can be patient with it. I don't think where they are right now is going to be determinative of the type of quarterback. You know, maybe they'll be willing to bet on the upside. Maybe they're willing to bet on the floor. But I think they give, they've give they given themselves a path with it take multiple options, take multiple pathways to fix in the quarterback position. They're not like, I keep running up Carolina, but they're in a position where it's either they draft somebody at six, or I don't know what they're going to do because they're not on the clock again until 143. And uh, unless you really like Skylar Thompson, I, I don't know if you're going to get the guy that's ready to go week one, week eight, whatever the situation may be. And at least Atlanta has given themselves multiple pathways to figure in and out. And that's something I always appreciate from organizations, whether it's, roster construction, winning the game, the more options you have, the more pathways you have to accomplish in that goal, I think you're in a better position. So there's that going for Atlanta. Now, you know, you mentioned in the previous segment, like, do you have the deep threat? Do you have the talent? I, I think we could be honest and say, looking around in Atlanta from a roster construction standpoint, you know, it, it's a bit thin right now. And so maybe we'll see what it looks like at the end of the draft. And, you know, I, I assume there's an opportunity to add at the receiver position and some other offensive skill positions to put talent or potential talent around, you know, potential new quarterback. So, you know, when all is said and done and the dust kind of settles, maybe there'll be a better environment for if they've addressed quarterback, that player to be successful if they have to play in week eight, week nine, week 10. And so Atlanta's in a position, they've given themselves some pathways, which I appreciate. If they like somebody at eight, then certainly take them. Like I'm always of the mind that if you have an opportunity and there's a quarterback you like when you're on the clock, you can draft that player if you need to address the quarterback position. And maybe Mariota gives you a year and you can take your time with that player, whether it's Willis, Pickett, Ritter, whomever, and you can put them in a situation where, okay, you've got that year. They've had that year to sort of season develop, see how the game is played, learn how to be an NFL quarterback from Monday afternoon, Monday morning, even to Sunday afternoon. And now they're in a position where you're two, you're ahead of the game. And you don't have to feel like, okay, we're chasing the quarterback position. And now we're amongst a group of teams now that kicked that decision to 2023 with a veteran option. And now you've got six teams that, again, want to address quarterback. And who knows what 2023's group ultimately looks like in the end. Now, I want to talk to you about that 2023 group. And obviously, you know, everybody, every single draft, we do this, right? We we look at the current crop and we're like, well, what about next year's crop, right? Grass is always greener. Because, you know, it often boils down to the fact that, you know, it's such a premium position that there's not enough good players, even in a rich quarterback class, someone's going to be kind of left out in the cold 
at the quarterback position, you always say, well, we can figure it out. I mean, that was the main argument justifying why the Falcons passed on the quarterback last year, where it's like, well, there will be good quarterbacks in the future, so we don't need to get there, our guy now. Right. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this upcoming 2023 uh, draft class where the sort of the headliners – uh, in a, and I haven't done a deep dive on I- any of these guys, but there's CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. There's Bryce Young out of Alabama. You know, these guys are being talked about as potential number one overall selections. You also hear people like Will Levis out of Kentucky. Uh, you know, the, I forget where he is now. Uh, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, I think now, yeah. uh, who a year ago was considered to be the number one pick in this upcoming draft and then had a bad year. So I'm just curious, sort of, do you feel like this is a legit year where the grass may be a, a little bit greener uh, on the other side or where do you sort of stand on it? I mean, I think there's the potential for that grass to be greener. I mean, look, with, with Stroud and Young, they certainly look the part right now. Um, you know, Phil Jakovic at Boston College, I know he got hurt, but I like a lot of what his game is. Uh, Will Levis, obviously from Kentucky, whom you mentioned, I think there's a potential for him to make some strides. Um, you know, obviously Spencer Rattler, but I think Spencer Rattler's inclusion in this list is a reminder that things change. You know, if you think where we were in August, right, just, you know, seven months ago or so, it was Spencer Rattler one, Sam Howell two, or Howell one, Rattler two. Like that was this quarterback class. We are yet to sort of think about, you know, people were talking about Malik Willis, but there wasn't that like, yeah, he's going to be first overall. There were, there were rumblings about a Kenny Pickett. Or we knew who Desmond Ritter was, but the class was Rattler and Howell to start. And then just like that, it switched. You know, they both struggled in their opening games. And as we tend to do in the draft evaluation world, we move on very quickly. It's it's Andy, you know, with Woody and Toy Story, just dropping it. And I don't want to play with you anymore. It's, it's a meme, but it, it's true. We move on. And so sitting here right now, you can certainly make the case that, yeah, you know, this this next group, particularly when contrasted with this current group, it could be great. You know, if Bryce Young has another great year, if C.J. Stroud has another huge year, if Shakovic is healthy the full season, if Levis takes a step forward, if Rattler suddenly becomes who we, we thought he was at Oklahoma, maybe this is a great quarterback class. Or maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe one of these guys or two of these guys get hurt. Maybe they take a step back. Maybe Rattler doesn't discover who he once was. I mean, there's a lot of ifs about it. And so it's easy to say, yeah, on paper, this next group looks better, but a lot of things change. And I I mean, I remember a 2017 draft class where people were talking at that combine about how great Sam Darnold is going to be. And so don't draft Patrick Mahomes. Sam Darnold looks the part. And look where we are right now. I mean, things change. And so it's, and that's why I often say, look, you know, you've got a quarterback. If you like him staring at you in the face, place that bet now. Because you might like somebody a little bit more right now in the next year's class, but things can change in a hurry. And then if you pass on a guy now for uncertainty in next year's draft, it might not always pan out. Sometimes it might, you know, sometimes it might, but there's some uncertainty that goes with that. And sometimes the certainty of at least, okay, we've got a guy now in the building, learning our offense. We're working with them now on a daily basis. That year of working with a quarterback might be worth more in the long run than a potential bet on something down the road. There you have it. Um, basically, moral of the story: nobody knows. Nobody so knows. Nobody knows anything. None of us know what we're doing. We're all making it up as we go. But thanks as always for reading and listening. Right there, you go. Um, you know, it's just guessing. You know, it's yep. semi-educated guessing, but th- that's all it is. At the end of the day, it's just scientific guessing. method. Just some educated guesses left and right, my friend. Yep.
So, Mark, uh, let the people know what you got going on and where they can find your other insights into, you know, this year's quarterback class, as well as other things covering the NFL and the NFL draft. Well, Aaron, always a blast coming on. Love coming on every year. Look forward to a circling back in a couple of weeks to dive into these guys a little bit more. Uh, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, uh, Doug Farrar, Laurie Fitzpatrick, and myself, we're going to be dragging down all uh, the draft prospects, their fits, you know, potential fits and things like that. Um, and then on Twitter, at Mark Schofield, where you get a lot of cat videos and things like that. But every once in a while, some some interesting insight, but mostly cat videos. There you go. Always look forward to the work that you and Matt Waldman do every single year. In, in That's the, right. We're, we're uh, deep diving into these guys. We've got videos up on – we've done Pickett. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. We're doing Willis soon, but we've done Pickett. Uh, Skylar Thompson, Matt Corral, like we're working our way through this class. So we'll have – a bunch more once he gets done with his RSP at the start of April, he'll have more time. We'll do some more videos and, you know, you can look at those and break down quarterbacks with us. It's always a ton of fun. We do like an hour on each QB and dive into what they do well, where they struggle, what they could be in the NFL. Yeah. I watched the Carson strong one and I was just happy. I was like, look, am I the only person that thinks Carson Strong's really good? And it was no. nice to. He's to very good. It's just, if, if the knee checks out and that's a big if, um, then yeah, he could be, he's somebody that could slot into day two, but if the knee's healthy, like you might be getting a diamond right there. Yeah. So, you know, that will be a topic of conversation that we can circle back to later this month here Ooh. with Mark. Uh, but guys, that's going to do it for us here on the quarterback conversation. And as we unfold and unpack the rest of the week here on lockdown Falcons, we'll be talking more about Marcus Mariota with locked on Titans host, uh, Tyler Rowland, as well as getting more into, you know, Falcons topics and free agent fits uh, and their offseason moves and what they should be looking for in the draft, as well as what is Grady Jarrett's future here on the podcast uh, as we uh, roll this week. But guys, I thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen. Always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. In addition to Lockdown Braves, you can check out the other local shows like Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Bulldogs, of course, Lockdown NFL. And of course, if you want to get more insight into this draft process, of course, you got to check out the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, where hosts Ryan Tracy and Eric Crocker are giving you the lowdown each and every day on the top prospects, who are the sleepers, who are the risers, who are the fallers, all those various things on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you can find Lockdown Falcons including on YouTube. So guys, appreciate it. Till then.